The reading is taken from St. John's Gospel, chapter 17, beginning at the sixth verse. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one who doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now. But I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. This is the word of the Lord. As we come to look at God's word together, let me pray. Heavenly Father, may these words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You may um, have heard this story before, but there's a a child who one day is wandering around at home and he passes the table in the hallway and sees some post for his mum. He wants to open the post and so he takes it to his mum and says, Mum, can I open it? I want to see what's inside. His mum takes a look at the letter and says, Well, no, I'm afraid you can't this time. This is confidential. What does that mean, the little boy asks, not understanding the word confidential. Well, it means it's just for me, his mum says. No one else can look at it. It's mine. A little later that day, the mum and son are at the local fish and chip shop enjoying a Friday night treat when the lady behind the counter turns to the little boy and says, what would you like to eat? He replies with a big grin on his face, I would like a large confidential fish and chips. 
It's not uncommon, is it, for words and the meaning of words to change and to grow as we change and as we grow and as we gain deeper and better understanding of them. A little like the story of the little boy. When I was younger, words like discipline and obedience were words that I wanted to push back against. I didn't like the idea of being disciplined or obeying. It wasn't particularly attractive at the time. Now I'm a parent, I have a very different idea of words like discipline and obedience. They're crucial words to what it means to be a dad. No longer words of burden, they've become words that help me to frame and to live out the reality of parenting. And I wonder if holiness is one of those words that we often misunderstand or don't fully understand the depth of. It's a word, isn't it, that we often hear, we might even often use it quite a lot ourselves, but I wonder how much we fully understand what we mean when we talk of holiness. In John 17, as we've heard read this morning, Jesus prays for his disciples and by extension therefore for us, for you and for me, that we would be made holy. It's there in verse 17 of chapter 17 where he says, sanctify them by your word. Sanctify them by your word. That word that's translated sanctify in our texts is hagiazo in the original. And it can also be translated as make holy. So Jesus' prayer is this, make them holy. Make us holy. Make you and make I holy. Holy, by your word, the word that is truth. But what does that mean? What does that mean for us as individuals, as disciples of Jesus? And what might that mean for us as church family? What I'm hoping we can do this morning in the short amount of time we have is to begin the process of thinking about what holiness is What is holiness? And once we've thought about that, how do we become holy? And what might that look like for us as a church? I think by doing that, we just begin the process of being better able to understand what Jesus means when he prays in John 17, sanctify them or make them holy. So firstly, what actually is holiness? When we talk of Jesus praying for us to be made holy, or when we talk of holiness in general, what do we actually mean? This might be my own experience, and so you might not resonate with this, but often in the past when I've heard people talk about holiness, it's been within the context of the things that we do for God. Specifically, making sure that we do the good things And don't do the bad things. Holiness in this sense is reduced, diluted to a list of good and bad. And if we can just stick to the good list and keep clear of the bad list, then we'll be holy. Now, hear me at this point. Holiness is absolutely about how we conduct our lives. Part of the call to holiness is to live a life that is set apart for God. A life that is centred around him, dedicated to him, and therefore looks different to the world around us. How we live, how we conduct ourselves, is absolutely one of the ways that we're marked out as God's holy people. But holiness is much more than simply a list of do's and don'ts. 
The notion of holiness itself is like a thread woven throughout the tapestry of Scripture. It's ever-present in the story of God's people. We pick up this thread in the early parts of the Old Testament, and we see it expressed through things like the purification and sacrificial laws found in books like Leviticus. While on the one hand, these are practical rules and regulations designed to help Israel look different, they're also instructions that form part of a deeper work of calling God's people into a life of holiness. That call to holiness continues throughout the Bible. It's there in the New Testament as well, in places like the Sermon on the Mount and continually appearing in Paul's letters. The point is this. Throughout the story of God's people, there's a continual call to holiness. And to sum it up, to be holy is to be marked by the presence of God. To be holy is to live a life that is centered around, marked by the presence of God. And that's because holiness is at the core of God's character. Right at the heart of who God is, is holiness. Throughout scripture, there are multiple references to God either being declared holy or declaring himself holy. Consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am holy, God says in Leviticus 11. Or think of that famous passage in Isaiah 6 where the prophet sees the seraphim gathered round God declaring, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. And when God declares that he's holy or it is declared of him, it's not merely a statement of fact. We're not just saying something similar to God is tall. Rather, God's holiness is a statement about who he is. Calling God holy is to reveal the foundation of his character. That is, that he is holy. God is holy, and so holiness looks like God. So for something or for someone to be holy, it needs to be made holy by having God's presence within it. In the Old Testament, the Holy of Holies was for the people of Israel where God dwelt. And what made it holy was God's presence within it. When Moses encounters God at the burning bush and God says to him, take off your shoes because you are standing on holy ground, it's the presence of God in that place that makes the ground holy. So for us to be holy, we need God's presence within us. So when Jesus prays in John 17 that we would be sanctified, that we would become a holy people, He's praying that we will be a people who know the presence of God and who carry that life of God within us. And so consequently, to be like holy, to be like God, is to carry that holiness within us and to value and pursue the things that God values. To speak to the world around us as God would speak, to reflect some of his being to those around us. We see that in the life of Moses in Exodus when he descends from the mountain having spent time in God's presence and has a face that is radiating, that is glowing. To be holy, to carry God's presence and God's life within us is to then reflect and radiate that glory of God to those around us. 
And incredibly, that's what Jesus prays for here in John 17. He wants us to be a holy people. He prays for us to be a holy people. Men and women of him who in a broken yet redeemed way bear his image to the world around us. To be holy is to be marked by the presence of God. So if that's what holiness is, a life marked by, a life dwelling within the presence of God, and if that's what Jesus is praying for when he says sanctify them, how do we actually get it? How do we become holy? Well, the answer is that we cannot become holy by our own strength. We have to be made holy. Holiness is not something we can attain on our own. It is not possible for me to wake up tomorrow and to decide that this week I'm going to be holy. Yes, there are things we can do, good, positive things we can do to help seek after the holy life, but we cannot become holy on our own. It just is not possible. And recognizing it isn't possible is actually really important because it explains why we fail when we try to be holy in our own strength. We cannot make ourselves holy. But amazingly, we know a God who can. By God's grace, we can be made holy. It can only come from him. And that means that to become God's holy people, we have to surrender ourselves completely to him, to allow him to make us holy. That means we have to shape our lives around him, to put him at the core of everything we do, to have him define who we are as his children, to let him run our lives rather than try and run them ourselves. It means we choose to follow and surrender to him no matter the cost. Again, in the life of Moses, there's this wonderful moment where God has just told Moses and therefore the people that they need to move from the place they currently are. Moses and God have this back and forth conversation and at one point Moses says to God, if your presence does not go with us, don't send us from here. This, I think, is a prayer for holiness. This is what it looks like to long for God's presence in our lives. This resolve that we won't and that we can't do this without God's presence, without God's love, without God's life, without his truth. Because holiness is an active pursuit. While we can only ever be made holy by the grace of God, we are also called to seek it in our lives. Called to seek it in the life of our church. But this active pursuit of holiness starts and ends from a place of surrender. Surrendering to God also means recognizing that while we live here in the world, we're called to not live like the world. Jesus makes that point earlier in John 17 in verses 14 and 15. He's talking of the disciples. He says, for they are not of the world. But at the same time, my prayer is not that you'd take them out of the world. This is what one author calls the holiness tension. Part of living the call as God's holy people is to live lives that are dedicated, set apart for God. And that means living differently to the world around us. It means letting the story of God be the loudest story in our lives. 
It means conforming not to the raging torrents of the world around us and the ever-ebbing cultural flow, but instead listening to the still, calming voice of the Holy God. But at the same time, we still live in this world, in this place. We aren't removed from it. We're surrounded by and we live within God's world. A fallen world, yes. A broken world, yes. But still God's world. And rather than withdraw from it into little pockets of Christianity, or rather than become what John Stott called rabbit hole Christians, who poke their heads out every now and again but shelter underground, we are called to live right in the midst of this world. And so the call to be a holy people means we must engage with the world around us and reflect God's glory into the world around us. The holiness of God is not something to be protected at all costs. It's not something that we have to hold incredibly dear to the point where we don't let others come in. The holiness of God is supposed to spill out of this place, to spill out of our lives into the world around us. The call to holiness requires us surrendering all we have to let ourselves be marked by his presence within us. So we've looked at what holiness is, being marked by God, and we've looked a little bit about how we can be made holy only by God's grace, an active pursuit of daily surrendering to him in order that we may be made holy. But what does it look like to be a church that's made holy? This series on John 17 is designed to give us a chance to think about what it looks like to be the church that Jesus prayed for. And over the weeks, we've been looking at different aspects of this prayer thinking about different aspects of what it would look like to be the church that Jesus prayed for. What might a holy church look like? Lots of different things, but let me just paint you a quick picture. First and foremost, a holy church, a church that Jesus prays for, looks like a church that is marked by God's presence. It looks like a community of people whose, whose primary desire is to be with God. And from that, who long to let God shape both themselves individually and their community corporately. A holy church is a community of people who, having met with God and having delighted in his presence, long to then take and reflect that joy and love and grace into the world around them. A holy church is one that surrenders itself and its agendas again and again to God. It's a church that determines to measure its success not by how much it does or doesn't measure its success merely in terms of numbers or statistics but recognises that in the kingdom of God success is faithfulness. It's a community drenched in God's presence seeking to give everything it has to him recognising that it received all things from him in the first place. It's a church whose prayer echoes that of Moses when he says, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us from here. A holy church is also a church that longs to take God's presence and the gospel out into the community around it. A church where people don't have to be perfectly presented before they join, but a church that welcomes anyone and everyone with open arms, recognizing that we're all broken but that the grace of God washes away all of our sins and that that same grace also 
makes us holy. And a holy church is beautifully attractive. It's contagious. Because once people catch a glimpse of a holy church, they will want to see more. Because when they see it, they catch a glimpse of God's kingdom here on earth. That's just some of what a holy church looks like. That's the church that Jesus is praying for when he says, sanctify them, make them holy. As the body of Christ here in North Oxford, in this place, at this time, he is praying for us to be made holy, to be sanctified. He longs for us to be a holy people, humble men and women who are marked by and who live out of the presence of God. People who recognize they cannot be holy through their own strength, but who seek and pursue the presence of God and his holiness in their lives in order that they may be transformed to become more like him and in order that the world around them may also be transformed to become more like him. Through God's grace, holiness is possible. We can be made holy. We can be transformed to be more like him. Sanctify them, Jesus prayed. Make them holy. By God's grace, it is possible. And it starts and ends with us surrendering to him delighting in his presence and seeking holiness both in our lives and in the life of our church family. Let me pray. Father, we thank you that you call us to pursue and to seek after holiness and we recognize that we can never attain it through our own strength. And pray that by your grace, that same grace that washes us clean and wipes our sins away, you would make us holy. Would your spirit help us to seek after that holiness? May we actively pursue holiness by surrendering ourselves daily to you. Asking you to fill us with your life and with your truth. And as we do that, may we reflect your holiness and your goodness and your glory to all those around us in order that they may see something of you through us and through this church. And we ask all of this not for the building up of our own names, not for the glorification of ourselves, but for the glorification of your son, Jesus Christ. And it is in his name we ask all of these things. Amen.